0: This episode of The Clear Out was recorded on the 29th of November 2022 at home in Wicklow and it is what I call a free roamer. I roam all over the place in this one and set out with no clear end point just knowing I had a couple of things I wanted to talk about. So it is a bit of a mishmash and there is a tonal a tonal shift Um, about midway through which um, is a really it's a hard left from where I was Um, but as ever I try to keep things reasonably reasonably palatable but amongst other things I talk about a new arrival here at hashtag blessed it's kind of fun that's a, a lovely surprise for my wife and daughter so I talk about that um i talk about chemicals and h- chemicals and hormones that um keep us happy and well um you'll know them by their names dopamine endorphin serotonin oxytocin and there's a relevance to those and the uh, the aforementioned surprise um i then move in a very different direction and talk about Wilfred Owen the English war poet that this is on the back of listening to a podcast about him another podcast about him um, and I I, I do credit that uh, appropriately but um, I did want to focus on one or two things that were raised in that podcast um, and think a little bit about conflicts that are happening elsewhere in the world at the moment and the, um, yeah, attitudes around war and conflict. Uh, I talk a little bit about Christmas in this episode and the um, the kind of contradictory um, pulls uh, that happen, for me anyway, around this time of year. Um, I also talk about Captain Kirk, James T. Kirk and another officer who's also a James Kirk. And I talk about Captain James Cook. So yes indeed, Kirks and Cooks and Owens Poets. All kinds of things. It's a it's it's a mixed bag. It's a miscellany. But um I try to I try to keep it together. Um some yeah some unexpected things anyway that's it that's what's coming up i don't know if that sounds appealing at all but as ever it's um it's my attempt to just to flow to riff to go with it and to reflect something real something that's going on at the moment and maybe i achieve that you be the judge okay see you around the corner cheers Hi, my name is Dara Clear and you're listening to the Clear out. You're very welcome. How are you? How are you moving? That's uh, <laughs> That's a pretty strong indication of many things. How you're moving. An indication of mood, an indication of health of of age. Perhaps, an indication of intention. <laughs> so how are how are you moving? It's funny. I was I was looking at terms of endearment. Terms of endearment, the nineteen eighty three movie, starring Shirley MacLaine and Deborah Winger as a a mother and daughter and the movie sort of charts their relationship and their uh, romances and um it was a very successful comedy drama uh dramedy i believe i used that word last week as well um but it was it, it it was interesting to watch it um james brooks james l brooks was the director um who subsequently gave us the uh the brilliant broadcast news in 1986 a few years later a much more successful film in my opinion um but in terms of endearment um Jack Nicholson and Shirley MacLaine who I think were respectively f- 46 and 48 maybe at the time or 49 um, they it was, it's fascinating to watch them in that movie now, they're both very entertaining Jack Nicholson particularly it, it might be the sort of definitive um Jack Nicholson being a caricature of himself the the rogue the rapscallion um the the unflappable charmer uh the romancer the lover of women um a very a very <laughs> a great kind of comic turn by Jack Nicholson as a as a retired astronaut who is a unabashed lothario and lover of young women Uh, and he lives next door to the Charlie McLean character who during the course of the film turns 50 and uh, is quite vain and does not want to get old and doesn't wish anybody to know that she's a grandmother. Um, and what was interesting, and this comes back to the how are you moving question. What was interesting was watching how they moved. And I was looking at them going, Jack Nicholson then, in that movie, it was younger than I am now. Shirley MacLaine was younger... Shirley Shirley MacLaine was, you know, close to my age now, close to my age. But her sort of style and her makeup and her hair, it was like 50 was 70. And Jack Nicholson um, was also moving like someone who was about to be given a gold watch. And if you think of the Jack Nicholson performance in About Schmidt... When he is playing someone who is retired and grieving his deceased wife, and it was a, it was a, it was a hailed Jack Nicholson performance because it was so because of the, the lack of vanity. Um, but there has there's a lot of evidence there through Jack Nicholson's career like he's he's he was always a guy he was who wasn't afraid to play clowns. Now they might have been slightly demonic. Uh, Hell raising anarchic clowns, but an actor who was very adept at playing a sort of buffoon, um, almost bottom like uh, from A Midsummer Night's Dream. Um, but yeah, to watch him <laughs> and Charlie McLean in terms of endearment was like, was to go, oh wow. We're, we're meant to believe that these are old people, like old, aging people. Um, and it, it's quite bizarre. It's quite bizarre. I mean, I, I'd recommend you go back and seek it out and just watch them. Watch how they move. Watch the, 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 the type of bodies they're presenting us with. The energy that they're presenting us with. Um... It just feels very odd, even though their performances are, are you know, are, are quite charming. Um. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> there you go. So to return to return to my query, how are you moving? How um, how are you? How are you stepping out? I I've got a, a bit of a sore back. Um and I'm not I'm recording this in in not the usual room in uh, in hashtag blessed and it does force me into a slightly unnatural posture but uh but so be it. I I'm willing to suffer, suffer for my art and um it's it's my last opportunity to to really record here peacefully my my uh my women <laughs> i'm using the possessive there my women my girls my wife and my daughter are returning they are returning tomorrow uh, at the time of recording that is they're returning tomorrow um in yeah well in 12 hours time i will be um I'll be on the road to the airport to go and collect them. Um, So they have been, they've been away for about uh, 35 days. Doesn't sound like much, or does it? When they left, I thought, wow, five weeks. I just saw this, this sort of utopian (laughs) vision rolling out before me. Five weeks of... Contemplation. <laughs> five, five weeks of, of productivity, five weeks of, of writing and creating, um, and of really living the sort of ascetic, hermetic <laughs> life to, to work, to work on my art, my craft, to, to hone my creative blade. Um yeah, it didn't quite work out like that. <laughs> uh it didn't quite work out like that. There are a couple of reasons for that. I was um you know, I I, I I was I was busy. I was busy, you know, busy working and busy doing my usual bits and pieces, teaching more karate classes. I I taught the the holistic self defence course. Uh, over that time I did five five Tuesdays of that in the end at the the Broca Centre in Lara and had a great time with the the participants Um, I've obviously been doing the podcast once a week as well and teaching a bit of Tai Chi as well Um, yeah my karate kids my karate kids my karate kids have been coming to me and there have been a few uh, a few dinners here at Hashtag Blessed a few dinners had a few dinners. Uh, my nephew was over a couple of times. My brother, one of my brothers was over a few times. Um, I Had a friend down. Um, another friend came. Um Yeah, busy, busy boy. Now, that's grand. No big deal, you say. And, you know, surely you had plenty of time around all that to, to sit down and work on whatever the hell you work on. But the thing is, the thing is, i um I had a plan I had another plan that preceded the lots of writing plan, the creativity plan. I had decided a little while ago before before my wife and daughter went away. I decided I wanted to surprise them with a lovely surprise a surprise gift, and as it happened, the timing of this surprise has coincided with them going away so now it's a surprise that is waiting for them when they arrive home tomorrow can you hear that can you hear that sound in the background i don't know how audible that is yeah i can see that the uh, the mic is picking it up that's um that's two guinea pigs yeah you know, the guinea pigs have been mentioned before on the podcast that's the sound they make when they're just doing their own thing pretty happy they're two brothers and they do little little perimeters of their cage sort of um, face to butt (laughs) and they patrol their grounds and they make that sound Um, so yeah anyway the surprise that I have now waiting waiting for my uh, the, the women in my life is a puppy. That's right. A four-legged friend. That's not a cat or a guinea pig. Um, or a chicken. You know, chickens only have two legs. I know. Um, but imagine if there was a chicken who thought it was a, a cat or a dog, and walked with its its wings kind of touching the ground, and said to its friends, "Look, I'm a cat. Meow." tried to lick itself and all the other chickens laughed and thought that chicken was hilarious. In that case, the chicken would be uh, a four-legged friend as well. Um, Unless it was a mutant chicken and actually had four legs and that would be freaky. Uh, So anyway, I have a puppy. I have a puppy and it's a girl and she's a border collie and her name is Pepper. Pepper as in the spice condiment. (laughs) Pepper, (laughs) excuse me, Pepper. (laughs) So Pepper is sitting across the room from me at the moment sound asleep like a good dog Um, and Pepper I'd hoped would arrive around now. I'd hoped she would arrive sort of late November so I'd have all that other time to do what I had to do but no that's not that's not what fate had in store so Pepper arrived at the start of the month, uh, the 5th of November. So I've had the last three and a half weeks to try and um, bed her in and get her accommodated and acclimated to the vibes and the tone of Hashtag Blessed and to try and uh, assimilate her into this little menagerie uh, with the older cat who is extremely hostile um and the younger cat uh who has yeah they they, herself and pepper have become reasonably good friends so um yeah so like if you think uh, someone who wants to concentrate and have solitude and serenity and peacefulness uh and quiet moments to to be creative and to invite the muse into the consciousness one thing that's guaranteed to um raise a leg to that is the introduction of a puppy so that has really um ended up being a substantial focus of the last uh yeah for most of this month but um it's funny i was looking at something online yesterday or a couple of days ago, and it was uh, a little infographic um, looking at the four... Are they, are they chemicals or hormones? Is a, hor- is a hormone a chemical? Um, I, 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 again, I find myself, when it comes to the language, that's actually useful and correct. Um, I find myself at a loss. But anyway, it was a little inf- infographic describing... Um, the contributory factors to the production of these four chemicals are hormones, and I'm referring to oxytocin, serotonin. I'm now going to forget one: oxytocin, serotonin, endorphin, and what was the other one? There's four: dopamine. That's it. Dopamine. So dopamine is the dopamine is the reward the reward chemical i'm i just going to look it up because i'm just going to be frustrated trying to stumble my way through remembering what they are and what they kind of represent but in any case let me just check oh here it is yeah happiness chemi- chemicals there you go happiness chemicals and how to hack them this is what i saw was, this was on instagram so dopamine is the reward chemical oxytocin is oh the love hormone so there you go I, I, I chemicals and hormones i was i was right serotonin the mood stabilizers and endorphin is the painkiller um so this is interesting so dopamine the reward chemical this is the, the, the you know i'm sure you've come across dopamine in the context of social media and our relationship to our phones and when our phone pings if you put something up on social media and you're getting little notifications saying good boy good boy good girl well done well done very good that's that's our you know our little tail starts wagging because you know somebody is um giving us a, a reward so but as we know that relationship with technology our devices our phones it's 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 not very organic is it really it's um it it ultimately it's like a mcdonald's meal it leaves us wanting more and feeling kind of icky so dopamine if you want to go about getting that in um in in other ways according to my infographic that's not mine the infographic that i saw on instagram and i'm stealing um eating food can give you a dopamine hit. Now, I presume that means eating food that's good for you um, because eating a lot of junky food wouldn't make you feel good. Um, Achieving a goal, so a sense of achievement, a sense of accomplishing or finishing something. I get that. Uh, Completing a task. Okay, so achieving a goal and completing a task, I suppose they can be different things. A goal could be a long-term goal. So that's... um, Well, I mean that's that's a whole other discussion, isn't it? Achieving a goal. What's your goal to uh, to live till I'm ninety five? So when I get to ninety five, I'm just going to get this massive dopamine hit. Maybe achieving completing a task. I want to wash the dishes and make sure the house is nice and clean for for when uh, when my girls come home. Um, Self care activities. Uh, Well, I'm good at that one because probably a lot of my um, a lot of my healthful body practices, um, Tai Chi, uh, Qigong, karate, swimming, football, um, walking, they're all self-care activities as far as I'm concerned. Um, In a way, doing the podcast ticks some of these boxes so when I record the podcast once a week, that's completing a task and it's achieving a goal. So that's two things at once. And it's maybe it's it's also a self-care activity because I, I find the podcast um, therapeutic in a way because I see it as a creative endeavor and being creative um, and producing something of... Uh, of merit i know i maybe i'm not the one who should (laughs) should say whether that is the case or not um that can you hear those bloody guinea pigs my goodness yeah anyway okay so that's grand so that's you know that's that's a dopamine now endorphin um the painkiller so the painkiller that's interesting i hadn't thought of endorphins that way So exercising releases endorphins. And I just think endorphins is kind of good energy. So exercising, so that's a bit of crossover. Then dopamine and um, endorphin, I think. uh, Endorphins, I would go, well, they're both connected to exercise for me. Listening to music can release endorphins. That's a nice one. I didn't know that. So again, a bit of a feel-good thing, listening to music. Um, I'm trying to think. I put on some lovely... Uh, choral music the other day the composer was Victoria and there were I think there were just masses but they were it's a CD I've had for a long time and it's it's kind of a bit of a go-to and particularly at this time of year um, I like to just kind of chill out and have that in the background so that was was nice watch a movie I do a lot of that that's endorphins then as well Um, but then if the movie's no good that's not that's not so good then, is it? Because then I get annoyed or irritated, and I'm left feeling like that was a waste of time. So that can backfire. Laughter, well, yeah, I think um, there's, the, yeah. The <laughs> did, <laughs> did did you ever know? Did you ever know that when you laugh, it feels nice, and you know, have to have a good laugh. It's it's a great release. You know, it's a great. It's a great circus breaker. Um, So laughter, how lovely. Okay, so that's endorphins. Um, Serotonin. Now, serotonin, the mood stabilizer. So this one is a very kind of strong, strongly aligned with wellness in in probably the most obvious way we think of, of wellness and being a bit sort of, zen and being you know being in contact with things that are good and organic and natural so on this list there's four things here sun exposure and that doesn't mean being exposed to the fruit of your loins that's male that's the sun in the sky okay okay um although i know for my father (laughs) he loves being he loves being exposed to his sons It gives him a great, great sense of camaraderie, comradeship. Um, I had to, I I, I passed through the family home last week. And as it happened, my younger brother was there. I'm sorry, my two younger brothers were there. And my nephew, who is my older brother's son. um, And then I stuck my head in the door. And for a moment, my father was like, what? All my boys are here, my four boys. And we had to point out that no, that's that's your grandson, the son of the other son who's not there. Um so that was that was sun exposure. <laughs> but of course they're talking about the sun in the sky, that yellow thing up there, behind the clouds, that we don't see an awful lot in Ireland. That's the that's the hilarious, the hilarious joke. Oh, what's that? What's that up there? Huh? what's oh, the sun is it <laughs> we get plenty of sun okay we get we, in fact we get so much sun that the, uh, the the leader of the green party here in ireland is saying we should be switching to solar plow, pl- solar plower um solar power by 2025 he was on the radio there the other day after his uh this kind of annual party conference and saying yeah that's where we should be in 2025 solar power solar panels everywhere you can have big solar panels in the fields and they can be high off the ground so farmers can still use the land underneath um sounds nice but i find it hard to take that guy seriously um sorry sorry Amo eamon ryan um i don't know what it is i don't know what it is it's it's there's something about him. I just I can't, can't quite buy it. Um, I don't know. Anyway, I, I, it, 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 it's, it's, it's what my gut tells me. It just doesn't feel very grounded where he's coming from. Um, so sun exposure, getting the old vitamin D or the vitamin D, if you prefer that pr- pronunciation. Uh, mindfulness is, stimulates serotonin as well. Being with nature um and meditation so as i said these ones are very conventionally in that kind of wellness pocket as we think of wellness nowadays um like i would argue the previous things i mentioned exercising music movies eating eating food achieving goals completing tasks also sort of you know in the wellness category um the fourth one is oxytocin the love hormone so socialising can give you a bit of oxytocin, hanging out with your pals, um, being with others, getting that, that social stimulation. So we're probably all a bit deprived of oxytocin in, um, in, over the last couple of years with COVID and restrictions, lockdowns, pandemic, all the rest. Um, physical touch, very important. Are you tactile? Do you like touching? Do you like to be touched? I'm not getting into anything pervy or weird there, but um that's uh I, I I'm actually very interested in that because I think culturally that's um there's there's a huge range of um of of what passes for normal or acceptable. This kind of cultural social norms regarding touch. Um so I'm not sure where the Irish sit. We're we're, we're probably somewhere, I don't know, I'd say we're somewhere in the middle to the lower end of the scale in terms of comfort with touch. Um, And maybe in maybe more Latin or Mediterranean cultures, uh, touch and body comfort is more natural. Um, I found when I was teaching students from different asian countries um i think people from thailand were most relaxed physically and people from japan were the least relaxed physically um i I remember i'm i am tactile i'm very tactile and it's part of i think how i communicate affection and warmth and regard um and sort of, you know, to, to, to people I like and also communicate about myself that I'm not taking myself too seriously um, and that I'm approachable. And um, I remember I was teaching in a classroom in Melbourne and I put, I just instinctively put my hand out to a st- and touched a student's arm as I was... you know showing them something in their book or correcting an exercise or trying to get their attention in a nice way and it was a japanese female student and she nearly jumped out of her chair and hit the ceiling she got such a fright and i was like oh lord (laughs) this is some terrible terrible breach of propriety um but anyway um I don't know. So she definitely didn't get an oxytocin hit there. She probably got like adrenaline um, or something else. So the other thing that gives you oxytocin is helping others. That's nice. All the Boy Scouts are overflowing with oxytocin. Um, And here is why I thought of this thing. The other thing that gives you oxytocin is petting animals. And... There's something about a puppy. That is, how can I put this? Irresistible. I, I it's, 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 it's. I know it seems ludicrous, <laughs> but these these bloody animals. That puppy gets released from its sleeping chamber um, in the morning and just like jumps all over me for ten minutes, and basically wants to consume me. Uh, or you know, with its tongue, just to, to lick me into submission. Um, and there's something about this wild, uh, enthusiastic love that the the that, that the, the puppy emanates. That um, you'd want to be a very strange person, indeed, not to not to respond in kind. <laughs> so the, the the puppy's been getting lots of hugs. Lots of hugs and kisses, and I realize I was just thinking about it yesterday. And I know I, I, my mood was has definitely picked up um, from wherever it was. I mean, just average, and you know, you know, the anticipation of having my wife and daughter back has definitely lifted my spirits. Um, and I was just thinking, that, like, gosh, I, I feel like I've been in quite good form over the last last week or so. And then I realized, oh, yeah, I've been I've been cuddling that dog for the last three three and a half weeks. Now I've also been wiping up mountains of dog poo and mopping up puddles of dog piss everywhere. Um, but there is, in in the, in the limited time available, I have been doing a little bit of uh, training, trying to train the dog, and she's she's starting to um, to get get some of the uh, the training on board, and. and this is what I always suspected I always suspected with dog owners and certain types of dog owners that it was a real power trip and a very prideful power trip of getting your dog under control and showing everyone this is what my dog can do and um, I have to confess (laughs) yeah I get it it's so satisfying oh my god the dog stayed when I told it to stay unbelievable and was, I've been so delighted with these little, these little victories. Anyway, um, so there you go, Pepper. Pepper is the new addition to the, uh, the Clear Out clan, the hashtag blessed menagerie. And I'm really looking forward to introducing her to, to my wife and daughter tomorrow. Um, I think that's going to be a good moment. So, um, so there you go. That's um, that was quite the tangent. I, I didn't realise I was going to bang on about that for as long as I did. But that's kind of the maybe that's the the hallmark of of the podcast. Um, so where to go from there? Now, it's a strange thing. It's a strange thing because I'm going to take a a, a a bit of a hard left turn away from cuddly animals um and happy hormones to to go to (laughs) to go to a a darker subject um there's something there's something about this time of year the approach to christmas and in ireland of course heading you know we're on the descent to to midwinter um in almost exactly three weeks it'll be the, the shortest day of the year here and of course that's why the uh, the festival of you know that's why there were mid-winter festivals to sort of go you've, you've you've made it you've made it this far you can you can you know like macbeth you're you're halfway over the river so going on is the same as going back you may as well keep going and get through it um but there is something about this time of year that I, I, I love Christmas. I love the the build up to Christmas. Um, I, I spoke about this a lot last year. I think I dedicated three, if not four episodes of the podcast last December to, to Christmas thoughts and reflections. Um, I'm not sure if I'll do the same again this year for fear of repeating myself. Um, I'm, I'm percolating a couple of ideas but um, I, I do love it and I get I, I do I, I seem to be able to access a certain excitement um, and very yeah kind of you know that, that kind of nice anticipation of there's going to be some good moments uh, over the next few weeks and you know looking forward to the, the, the big day itself but at the same time, at this time of year, it's 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 very difficult not to think of other people who are far less fortunate. Um I know that sounds completely naff and maudlin or sentimental, but it's um yeah, it it it, it, it you know it, it's definitely the counterpoint and it's always there and it's also part of the, the sort of complexity and contradiction of um of christmas the 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 way christmas is stuffed down our throats every year and the forced sort of jollity of christmas and the relentless marketing and branding of christmas and the 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 assault of Christmas paraphernalia and music and movies and all the rest and a lot of that stuff to, uh, you know in a certain in you know in a certain size of dose I can handle and in a certain mode I can handle but it there's something about how. Aggressively, it's thrust in our faces that takes away that opportunity for contemplation, that takes away the opportunity to maybe have space to enjoy Christmas in your own way. And I think that... It's hard not to think of the, the sort of the, the, and I mean, I did speak about this last year. It's hard not to think about the commodification of Christmas um, as something that has really pushed people further and further and further away from maybe the more spiritual aspect of Christmas, the more contemplative aspect of Christmas, the more altruistic aspect of Christmas, perhaps, Um I'm not necessarily, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to go into the, the, the you know, the, the actual specific religious side of Christmas. Um I mean, you know, you could, of course, but, um but I choose not to. <laughs> Don't be offended, please. But I have found myself thinking about Ukrainian people and Russian people. Um I'm thinking about the families of, of of all these migrant workers who died um, building stadiums in Qatar. Um, now I know maybe many of those people may not have come from Christian backgrounds. Maybe Christmas is not a significant holiday. Um, I mean, and that's like that's 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 not a, that's not a r- irrelevant because I suppose the this kind of shadow that lurks behind christmas are off screen or off stage when people are celebrating christmas it's the people who are not having a good christmas the people who are um enduring loss or having their first christmas without a loved one or find themselves um you know in very challenging circumstances and certainly anecdotally to to pay any attention to the sort of um, rapidly rising cost of living in in, in Ireland, it's it's hard not to have a sense that a lot of people are doing it very tough at the moment. Um, And so that sort of counter to kind of like, okay, we're having a good Christmas, but somewhere, maybe not very far away, other people are not. And this this table of plenty... um, isn't present in other households and it's certainly not present in certain you know in parts of ukraine um and it's probably not present in certain places in in russia uh where there are families whose whose family members have have gone to war um and yeah, I don't know. For some reason, I found myself kind of thinking about this whole kind of wartime idea. You know, the wartime Christmas, and the I get I get images going back to the First World War and the trenches and soldiers from uh, the, the 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 opposing sides having you know the briefest sort of um, ceasefire. To break bread together, or kick a ball, or, or sing songs, and funnily enough, I found myself the other day listening to um, Melvin Bragg's podcast in our time. I don't know if you know this; it's a BBC uh, podcast. Melvin Bragg is, um, uh, you know, has been like a fixture of, of British television. Um, sort of TV journalist presenter who wow. has, he presented the, the South Bank show for years, didn't he? And sort of a very sort of erudite um, lover of, of, of the arts, I suppose. But, All things kind of, you know, literature and theatre and, you know, art, etc. Anyway, he has a very nice podcast that my, my cousin put me onto. to. Hi, Fionn, if you're listening. How are you? Um, And this podcast, in our time, usually focuses on um, an artistic figure or a literary figure or a historic figure. Um, And he invites three academics um, to come and sit with him in the studio and discuss the, the subject's work and life. And just recently, maybe as recent as last weekend, They did an episode on the poet Wilfred Owen. So Wilfred Owen was an Englishman, an Englishman who fought in the First World War. And he came to prominence really after his death. He died young. He died during the war, just before the war ended. He was an officer. And after the war, his poems um, began to gather considerable renown and were celebrated by other poets. Um, and on this podcast, they, they read out some of his poems. They discussed his life. And one of the things they read out that really struck me um, for its poignancy was his final letter to his to his mother Um, and I yeah I just found it very very moving because he wrote this letter and was probably dead by the time his mother received it Um, and it's poignant because the letter was so upbeat and he was so he seemed so certain of his survival and what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna go ahead and <laughs> I'm gonna read you this letter so you can see what you th- see what you think of it yourself and I just did a search online for this letter and some of his poems um and this letter is published on somebody's um somebody's blog is called advancing poetry um advancingpoetry.blogspot.com. and there's a an addendum to this uh to this letter on on this blog which i'll share as well because that took me down an interesting track as well uh, in any case let me read you the letter and um I have another thought on this kind of idea of, you know, sending a missive or a letter. So this is Wilfred Owen, the English poet, his last letter to his mother. It um, might have been his last letter altogether. On the 31st of October 1918, Wilfred Owen was safe behind the lines and writing home to his mother about the place in which he and his men were staying. So, um, yeah, listen to this. Dearest Mother, I will call the place from which I'm now writing the smoky cellar of the forester's house. I write on the first sheet of the writing pad which came in the parcel yesterday. Luckily, the parcel was small as it reached me just before we moved off to the line. Thus, only the paraffin was unwelcome in my pack. My servant and I ate the chocolate in the cold middle of last night, crouched under a draughty tambou, roofed with planks. I husband the malted milk for tonight and tomorrow night. The handkerchief and socks are most opportune, as the ground is marshy and I have a slight cold. So thick is the smoke in this cellar that I can hardly see by a candle twelve inches away and so thick are the inmates that I can hardly write for pokes, nudges and jolts. On my left, the company commander snores on a bench. Other officers repose on wire beds behind me. At my right hand, Kellett, a delightful servant of A Company in the old days, radiates joy and contentment from pink cheeks and baby eyes. He laughs with a signaller to whose left ear is glued the receiver, but whose eyes, rolling with gaiety, show that he is listening with his right ear to a merry corporal, who appears at this distance away, some three feet, nothing but a gleam of white teeth and a wheeze of jokes. Splashing my hand, an old soldier with a walrus moustache peels and drops potatoes in the pot. By him, keys my cook, chops wood another feeds the smoke with the damp wood it is a great life i am more oblivious than alas yourself dear mother of the ghastly glimmering of the guns outside and the hollow crashing of the shells there is no danger down here or if any it will be well over before you read these lines i hope you are as warm as i am as serene in your room as I am here and that you think of me never in bed as resignedly as I think of you always in bed of this I am certain you could not be visited by a band of friends half so fine as surround me here ever Wilfred and he attaches a kiss to the end of that he was killed five days later um Four days later, I'm sorry, on the 4th of November. And he was killed with 2nd Lieutenant James Kirk, who was posthumously awarded the Victoria Cross and 22 others. I'm not sure what that means. I'm I'm reading this directly from this blog. Um, And the creator of the blog, she adds this, which is the citation for James Kirk which um, she took from an extract from the London Gazette, dated 3rd of January 1919. Listen to this. So this is for James Kirk, the second lieutenant, getting the uh, Victoria Cross. For most conspicuous bravery and devotion to duty north of Oars on 4th of November 1918, whilst attempting to bridge the Oise Canal. To cover the bridging of the canal, he took a Lewis gun and under intense machine-gun fire paddled across the canal on a raft and at a range of ten yards expended all his ammunition. Further ammunition was paddled across to him and he continuously maintained a covering fire for the bridging party from a most exposed position till killed at his gun. The supreme contempt of danger and magnificent self-sacrifice displayed by this gallant officer prevented many casualties and enabled two platoons to cross the bridge before it was destroyed. Um, Yeah, that's a pretty, um, pretty vivid account of Daring Do, um, which ended with the ultimate sacrifice. Um, It doesn't make clear there how Wilfred Owen died, and I didn't bother to do the research to find out. I think he was only 25 when he died. Um, but from what I read there in that letter, and from what I heard on Melvin Bragg's podcast, it seemed he was never happier than in the company of 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 soldiers, of, of other men, of fellow officers. And he thrived on that camaraderie. Um, yeah. I, I I don't know if he was was he was he gay? I found myself wondering that as I was listening to them talk about him and how he wrote about men. Um but I mean yeah, it's a hundred years ago and maybe there was a way of talking about one's male friends that was less self conscious. Um I'm not sure. That's um that's an interesting topic in its own right. But um I just saw that the letter was, as I said before, particularly poignant. Um, and interesting also then to hear that citation for the, the, the second lieutenant. Um, and I suppose the way it glorified his deeds to a certain extent, which is, it's, it's ironic to mention that in the context of a, a discussion about Wilfred Owen, because he was extremely critical of this idea of glorifying the the deeds of war and he was certainly very critical of the idea of proper, propagandizing um the idea of kind of the noble sacrifice and of course one of his most famous war poems which i believe is immortalized at one of the, the war monuments in um in london perhaps um is Oh what's the title? Dulce et decorum est isn't that it? Dulce et decorum est Um Dulce Sweetness and Decorum Oh yes, it is sweet and fitting. It's, so it's the, the full Latin, the full Latin phrase that it's taken from is translated: is it is sweet and fitting to die for one's country. And in his poem "Dulce et Decorum Est," Wilfred Owen makes it very clear that nothing could be further from the truth, um, because he depicts the the horrors of seeing uh, young men. Um, his fellow soldiers die on the front and the the gruesome, brutal, bloody um, horrifying deaths that they suffered are what he focuses on Um, so again do you know what I might even I might see if I can just bring up the the passage from Dulce et Decorum Est because it's um, It is a powerful poem. And let me see, Dulce et, there you go, poem. Dulce et decorum est. Let's see. This is compelling, compelling listening. Let's see if I can, yeah, now, yes, I'm, just gonna, I'm not going to read the whole thing, I'll just read you maybe a bit of an extract. Someone still was yelling out and stumbling and floundering like a man in fire or lime. Dim through the misty panes and thick green light as under a green sea I saw him drowning. In all my dreams before my helpless sight he plunges at me, guttering, choking, drowning, If in some smothering dreams you too could pace behind the wagon that we flung him in and watch the white eyes writhing in his face, his hanging face, like a devil's sick of sin. If you could hear at every jolt the blood come gargling from the froth corrupted lungs Obscene as cancer, bitter as the cud of vile, incurable sores on innocent tongues. My friend, you would not tell with such high zest to children ardent for some desperate glory the old lie, dulce et decorum est pro patria mori. Hmm. Yeah it's good it's good stuff it's good stuff it's 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 you know it feels like it's written by a young man there's a there's a, a palpable anger there's a palpable indignation there's a palpable righteousness um which which i kind of like he's not loved by everybody at Wilfred wilford he's not loved by everyone um again if you listen to that podcast you'll learn that wb yates wasn't a fan Um, To put it mildly, in fact he was scathing about uh, Wilfred Owen's um, talents as a poet, or his lack of talents as as Yeats saw it. But um, yeah, it's, um, I don't know, to me it feels a little bit appropriate to be listening, to read, to to be thinking about that at the moment. And you think about these poor people who've been at war for... um, it's 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 what's two hundred and eighty days since the Russians went into Ukraine, um, and if I think it's getting cold here, you can be sure it's much worse. It's much worse in that part of Europe, um, and at the end of the day, it's like I think there's a there's a grim truth about war that all combatants. Uh, all surviving combatants have testified to um after conflict the just the the sort of utter futility um and inhumanity of of war um that edifies no one um and i think that's there's a you know, there is. I think for you know, I know it's it's a little bit abstract and it's a little bit, you know, maybe intellectual or philosophical, but there is yeah, you know, there there is a tragedy in that. There's a, a true human cost in that. And I don't know, there's part of me that just feels you know life's life's challenging enough. Life's tough enough without picking up guns and going over the border of another country to to take lives and to to raise towns and villages and to loot and pillage um, and to commit violent atrocities, um, and then as the defenders of that land to be sucked into the same. The, 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 you know the same inhumanity um and maybe maybe inhumanity is a is a misnomer um again we 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 flatter ourselves um to think <laughs> humans you know we're the ultimate we're the ultimate standard um, when all we've done for the entirety of our existence is you know murder each other um and 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 destroy each other and take um so yeah I don't know anyway it's 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 tough it's tough to 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 reflect on that stuff um but I think do do spare thought do spare thought for people who are out there doing that um and kind of contextualize by comparison your own your own struggles and your own suffering um because it might give you pause for thought and it might give you the opportunity to be grateful. To be grateful that you're not in that kind of a conflict. To be grateful that your house still stands. To be grateful that your neighbours are still alive. To be grateful that the the sons of your community are still at home, um, are still above ground. Um, Yeah, um, anyway that's that, 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 I don't know that's, I'm, not, I'm not trying to bring you down um, the, the other The other context I was going to add To To that To the To, to the, the Wilford Owen letter I was thinking About How I'd asked my daughter To send a postcard From Australia to some people we know who had given her some money a contribution to her australian holiday and i was talking to her a couple of days ago and she was like oh no there's no um <laughs> there's no postcards in um in lismore where she is and yeah this is this has come up before because i was asking a couple of a couple of friends of mine some listeners of the, uh, to, the to the podcast i was asking them to send a postcard here to my daughter and they hit me with the same idea now in fairness one of them came through you know who you are so hail thank you so much um, but the other the other two were like no there's no postcards around or I haven't got around to it don't worry lads it was only it was only several months ago there's uh, there's plenty of time um, yeah what I was thinking of something there that took me a long time to get around to I can't remember what it was um, but I think that the timeline was, jeez, I can't remember. Anyway, um, but yeah, it, it's funny, isn't it? Because there, there was a time when that was the obligatory thing to do. Like once you're overseas, it was you'd send your postcards, send your postcards home. I feel like I did it many times. I mean, I was doing it in 2003 and 2004. I had the opportunity to tour internationally with a play um phelan if you're listening (laughs) you were there too buddy we had a lot of fun uh and Karina, you were involved you were involved um very directly in the, the, the second time around but i took great delight in sending postcards from different parts of the world back to back to my wife my young wife um back then and um yeah that would still be my my impulse, my instinct if I if I was overseas, just to go pick up pick up a postcard or two and dispatch them. Um so yeah. And comparing that idea, like sending a postcard, and then thinking of Wilfred Owen's very nicely written letter in the sort of the language style of the time. I husband the malted milk. Um that's a great little line, isn't it? <laughs> But um, this is, you know, this is the nature of things now. Like, ask yourself, to whom would you like to give an account of your current status? To whom would you communicate via, via letter? To whom would you give a, a, a sketch of where you're at at the moment? I'm not sure how many of us think that way anymore because we're we're so we're so easily able to communicate and reach out and give up to the minute updates via social media and and texts Um, but it's I don't know Uh, isn't style the great cost isn't personal expression, the great cost of this, um, because there was a real art to, to letter writing and communicating well in written form, um, and to communicate well. I mean, maybe a, a postcard, if not a telegram, was the, um, the sort of the ancestor of, of, of a tweet you know, if a tweet is limited to a certain number of characters you've only got so much space in which to say something, uh that was the challenge with a postcard as well. To be, you know, maybe maybe you know, if 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 that was your choice, to be to be pithy and and witty um and gay <laughs> in, in your postcards. Uh, having a lovely time, wish you were here. Um so yeah, so no postcards no postcard from my daughter but one thing that did strike me in 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 texts my daughter has a voice in texts that i was like oh who is this person who is this person that seems quite self-possessed and communicates with a certain amount of poise and humor um it's my nine-year-old daughter i was like wow that was quite striking um so she's had access to my wife's phone over this five-week period in australia and surely that can only lead to an inevitable clamoring for her own phone but um she can wait (laughs) santa ain't bringing no phones this year um yeah yeah there are you know those milestones those milestones will come um yeah, interesting. The um, the tangent, the tangent that I, I kind of went on after reading that Wilfred Owen piece on that blog, where um, the I saw that the the second lieutenant who got the citation, I saw his name was James Kirk, and. I guess because I'm of a certain age and have a certain pop-cultural frame of reference, I immediately thought of um, Star Trek and James T. Kirk of Starship Enterprise. And so I just impulsively tapped into my good friend Google. Um, Did Gene Roddenberry, the creator of Star Trek, did he name... My search was, did he name... Captain Kirk after a British officer (laughs) and what I found out was um, because I was trying to see would it come up and go yeah he named him after this officer who died alongside Wilfred Owen in the First World War but no in fact and if you're a Star Trek fan maybe you already know this and if you're an Australian you might find this interesting or if you're a student of British naval history you might find this interesting Captain James T. Kirk of the Starship Enterprise, as uh, so affectionately essayed by William Shatner, um, was named after James Cook, the captain of the HMS Endeavour, which was like a, a science research ship that went south. To New Zealand and Australia, it was one of the first British expeditions that um, led to the so-called discovery of Australia, the White discovery of Australia is the more apt way to think of it. Um, so, yeah, there you go. And he had um, apparently he had an inscription. James Cook had an inscription in his captain's log. Um that inspired that inspired Gene Gene Roddenberry Um, so I'm trying to find that quote because I saw it earlier it was kind of um, kind of amusing Um, oh yeah there it is ambition leads me farther than any other man has been before me So this was Captain Cook's journal entry. Ambition leads me farther than any other man has been before me. A little bit um, self-aggrandizing there. Um, Or maybe just genuine, um, a genuine sense of the vastness of his achievement. But Roddenberry altered that phrase and it became the Star Trek catchphrase that used to be part of the intro for every Star Trek episode, to boldly go where no man has gone before. So um, so there you go, Captain James Cook, who I suppose is the face of uh, European colonization or British colonization of Australia, very controversial figure to many because he would have been um, the face of uh, indigenous genocide, that's not too strong a term. Captain Cook's cottage was transported from England to Melbourne and sits proudly as a popular tourist attraction in Fitzroy Gardens in Melbourne. I never went. That's what I was trying to think of earlier. Um, I was in Melbourne for 10 years. I never went to Captain Cook's cottage. I'm sorry. Um, what's interesting about that, um, is and i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna add a link to this article in the description of the episode so you can check it out um there's a very good journalist who writes for the guardian australia his name is paul daly and he's very good on um australian history and very good on indish in indish (laughs) sorry he's very good on indigenous issues i was going to say indigenous issues, indigenous issues Um, I've read some of his articles before. I really kind of like his very frank take on Australian history and the white perception of Australian history. And he has a great piece that he put in The Guardian a couple of years ago called uh, Captain Cook's Cottage, the place he didn't ever call home. And he's basically saying there's no evidence to suggest Captain Cook ever actually lived in that cottage. Um, it was where his parents lived and he may or may not have visited them in their old age there before it was transported from, I think, Yorkshire to, uh, to Melbourne um, for like a, a centenary celebration, um, of, you know, after the founding of Melbourne. So um, have a read of that article because it's pretty interesting. Um, yeah, the HMS Endeavour. So, um, look, I am, um, yeah, I know that's a bit of a that's, a, that's a bit of a mixed bag of an episode. I'm, I'm aware. Um, and the through line is not that, e- not that evident. And maybe that's um, a reflection of a certain amount of fatigue on my part. Um, trying to get this done before my my girls get back. But Pepper... Was mentioned, the new dog, um, Captain Kirk was mentioned, Captain Cook was mentioned. Um, I don't know what rank Wilfred Owen was but he was mentioned of course as well and yeah bit of a bit of a mix. You know I was driving home tonight <laughs> yeah I was driving home tonight and I saw a couple of teenagers in school uniform, a boy and a girl kissing each other passionately on the on the path. And I, I was like, "Oh," <laughs> because there was something. They, they they were they were quite a handsome looking couple, um, and there was yeah I don't know it, it, it was actually kind of it was kind of lovely it wasn't like a real gross messy over-the-top adolescent snog there was something very intense but also something very kind of classical about it um, and I was like oh wow <laughs> and I immediately I immediately just had a flash and went oh man my that you know that's you know that's what's coming that's what's coming you know with my daughter in a few years time um but yeah it was kind of lovely there was something i don't know if it was if i had a little pang of of nostalgia or i don't know what but it was um yeah the, 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 you know I, I was just look I, you know, as i drove past they were so intently there kissing and, and there was there was a real stillness in it Um, and he was taller than her and I just thought yeah the whole world has ceased to exist for them in this moment they are just locked on to each other with such intent and um, yeah they were still but that's how they were moving Um, so maybe that's maybe that's the through line Um, through all of this today or tonight I'm recording that night Um, and further up the road I passed another young fella who I've seen before and who I've mentioned before on this podcast this little guy who I've seen a few times now and there he was walking up the path on the other side of the road and that head down and the hand with the phone up to his face just looking at his phone as he walked along fully in the grips of that addiction it's like oh man put down the phone get your head up look around you look what you're missing (laughs) look back down the road that could be you look at those two look at that guy kissing that girl that girl kissing that guy anyway let's leave it there let's leave it there the oxytocin was flowing the love hormone um okay that's it. As I say, a mixed bag. I, I I almost feel like I want to apologize for that. Puppy dogs to tragic World War One poets. Um, but listen, that's life. That's life. It's um, it's all in there. It's all in there. We're we're experiencing all these things. All things are coexisting. Nothing is discreet and on its own and isolated and removed. It's all interblended, melded, welded, everything. It's all part of the flow, the flux, and you're in it, and I'm in it, we're in it. The guinea pigs are in it. These cats beside me are in it. That puppy dog, still sound asleep on the other side of the room, is in it too. That's kind of beautiful, and it's kind of heartbreaking. So there you go, and that's maybe that's how I feel, get to feeling at this, kind of, this time of year, I am so, grateful for what i have and feel quite aware of the terrible losses and absences that other people have to suffer okay let's leave it there as always you can throw me some love some feedback some commentary via the social media links which you will find wherever you're listening to this podcast if you are so moved and want to throw some financial heft behind this creative independent effort that would be very welcome i would love that but i'd be equally as happy with just a shout out a share a recommend a subscribe whatever you can do to help me grow this thing let this acorn grow into a proud oak tree perhaps all right you mind yourselves go easy travel safely move well move with intent, hold yourself carefully, and I will talk to you again next week. Okay, take care, mind yourselves. Bye.